From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Democratic Governor Tony Evers inked a new agreement last week with Foxconn Technology Group. The Taiwanese electronics giant started building a massive LCD screen manufacturing plant in Racine County in 2018. But then markets changed, and now the company is constructing a scaled-down operation at the site in Mount Pleasant. The Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation approved a contract last week for Foxconn to qualify for $80 million in taxpayer subsidies if it employs about 1,450 people with an average annual salary of $53,000. That's down from nearly $4 billion in state and local subsidies the company could have received under the original plan that Republican Governor Scott Walker signed in 2017. What will be the impact of this new accord on the state of Wisconsin? Economically, building the, that plant there didn't make a lot of sense unless certain things happened. For example, they had those massive screens that they were talking about. You had to have a supplier right on site to you know, produce the, the glass because you can't transfer long, uh, long, long distances to safely. Well, that didn't happen. So now you have a, basically you have your, a run-of-the-mill a job incentive package in Wisconsin, and that's not to diminish it. It's just that it's like lots of other ones that we see. It's you know, much much smaller, uh, involves a lot fewer jobs, a lot uh, smaller vision for the plant. It's just kind of like what you would see the Wisconsin Development Corporation announced for other companies, right? It's just it's different. And remember, the reason why the subsidies were so generous for Foxconn is because it was supposed to have this massive ripple effect. It wasn't just about Foxconn. It was about the suppliers that were going to come in to service this massive facility, uh, the spinoff companies, the you know the new restaurants and et cetera. They're going to have to come in to to serve all these people moving to Racine or working in Racine. And that just didn't happen. So it's just more like a it just means it's basically a regular old job incentive package now. Well, the original agreement had its share of critics. What are detractors saying about this deal? Foxconn's going to qualify for credits when it wouldn't have otherwise. Remember, the original deal, and Republicans have touted this uh, repeatedly, they had to hit minimum job numbers to qualify for anything from the state. Now, that leaves out the nearly billion dollars between uh, what local taxpayers have picked up, the infrastructure costs to redo roads around the Foxconn facility, the high-voltage transmission line that ratepayers are picking up the cost of, the service, all that stuff. That's That's still built in. But... To qualify for state credits, they had to hit certain number job numbers, and Foxconn had not hit those yet. Uh, so like in the new contract, the company has had to have a minimum of 481 jobs uh, that qualify under the definitions of the contract in 2020 to qualify for any credits. Under the original contract, by the end of 2020, they had to, qual- had to have 1,800 jobs. So obviously it's a much scaled-back uh, contract, but it's also a lower bar to qualify for anything. And the argument could be made that if the Evers folks had left the old contract in place, they could just kept denying Foxconn the uh, job credits and kind of kept trucking along. The issue, though, is you also risk the possibility of Foxconn suing you because you haven't given them those tax credits. So the, the Evers folks, remember, had ruled they had fallen short. Foxconn had disputed that. 
they could have taken him to court and said, no, we, we have the jobs. They should start giving us these credits. So it takes uncertainty off the table as well by signing the new deal. And finally, Governor Evers has ordered the Wisconsin State Patrol and other state law enforcement agencies to update their use of force policies to ban chokeholds unless it's a last resort. Evers issued the executive order after the Assembly's Racial Disparities Task Force issued recommendations to address policing practices across the state. The bipartisan panel stopped short of calling for a total ban on chokeholds, something Evers called for last year after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. So why did the task force call for an exception to a ban on chokeholds, and why did Evers go along with it? Well, the task force was trying to find a consensus, and with the various people on that body, it was hard and sometimes to find a consensus. For example, they didn't reach a consensus on the definition of use of force, I believe it was. And the governor, in his reaction to it, basically said that he agreed with a lot of the recognitions that came out of that body, um, didn't think they went far enough, but also said that he didn't include an outright ban in his executive order that he signed because he wants to take things, quote, one step at a time. So Evers, after recommendations came out from the task force, Evers issued his own executive order that affected state agencies, right? Department of Natural Resources, um, State Patrol, and he didn't include an outright ban there because he wants to go, he says, go in the right direction, take things one step at a time. So this is kind of about small steps to get to the ultimate goal. Now, you're going to run into um, resistance in the legislature right now because, for example, Van Wangard, a Republican from Racine, state senator, uh, former police officer, he is adamant that there shouldn't be an outright ban on the use of chokeholds because um, if somebody's life's in danger, he says, they should have that option. You shouldn't have to worry uh, about what repercussions are going to be if you're trying to save your own skin. And so that's going to be an issue for whatever policies are put forward, uh, how you get people like Van Wangard on board with whatever changes they're going to make to these policies. That's wispolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.